Hello, this is Ed Cohen, your broadcast host on Global Radio Talk Show, broadcast service on globalbusinessnews.net, coming to you today from San Diego and L.A. Our special guest today is Gabby Larheron. She is an entrepreneur with GL Mobility. Gabby was, for several years, involved in San Francisco Bay Area in immigration, tax, and global mobility with Airbnb and some other companies. She'll tell you all about it in just a few minutes. This conversation is about her new life living in LA area and about the changes going on within our culture demographically with four or even five generations in the workplace and the next gen of relocation management. Let's welcome Gabby Laheron. Hi, Ed. Thank you so much for welcoming me to the show. I'm very much looking forward to our chat, as this is a very dynamic field that continues to grow. New next-gen talent, globalization, the challenges with that, government regulations, as we all know, especially in the United States, there are challenges inherent in that specifically. And it's going to take some creating new relationship dynamics, both within your external and internal stakeholders and vendor partners. Gabby, please tell us about LA's Silicon Beach. Where is it? What is it? It's pretty exciting, isn't it? I think it's exciting. Here's why. It's the meld of both technology and creative. And there's also, of course, an economic component. The Bay Area is incredibly expensive, I know. I lived in San Francisco for almost 15 years and recently relocated to Southern California. While LA is not inexpensive, it is less expensive than the Bay Area. And you also have the opportunity to be close to the beach, which is wonderful, beautiful views. And you have this opportunity to recruit from the tech industry and people that are technology talented that also have a focus in creativity. So who are the people in Silicon Beach? Are they like us or are they all millennials or Generation Z? Who are they? Well, they're across generations, of course, but largely next gen. And they're a very diverse population in many ways. They are grown up with immediacy of the social media and social network. They are very different in the services that they would like in relocation and mobility. They're very self-service. And they understand they're more plugged into their life, I think. They want more out of their life. Certain generations went to work for 40, 50, 60 hours and were very devoted to company. These individuals are devoted to company, but they really seek a presence in the social community. And I think that's unique and different and growing from 20 years ago. Gabby, with regard to the special role that global mobility plays or can play in shaping a young company, adding to the culture or even beginning a culture. These are companies that are smaller generally. They have hardly any organization, certainly no VPHR. Isn't that correct? Yes, it is. I think that many of the companies are just starting out. Most companies don't tend to really focus on mobility as a function, probably till year three or even year four, they require immigration support and generally tend to gravitate to the larger firms or smaller boutique firms that are referred to them. 
but they don't tend yet to have a synergistic model, a holistic model within their companies that really looks at mobility, immigration, and tax as a holistic relationship within the org. Gabby, I'm a small business owner, uh, as you know, and we don't have an HRVP. But with regard to explaining more about what uh, GL will do for a company and what your hot buttons are, what you'd like to do, how would I, as a small business guy, how would I handle a recruitment? How would you help me develop a culture or how would you help me define a policy? Help me understand what role you would play. Well, the brand should drive the policy. And what I mean by that is when you're a new company and you really, you don't have these functions in-house, many of the HR directors reach out to their colleagues who have this type of talent within their org to acquire referrals to vendors. And it's only through their growth process and bringing other people in like myself who have a vast understanding. I have over 20 years experience in immigration and in relo and in tax, and therefore experience across many different vendor networks. It's important that they align their vendors with their culture. But having said this, when you're looking to hire talent from around the globe, it's important to understand what your role is and put together a comp package and a rewards package that can be competitive within this market. Silicon Beach and the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, are competitive environments. And I won't speak to comp, that's not my specialty, although I'm experienced in comp, but focusing now on mobility, what I would say if I was a new company, I would tend to look out and speak to individuals in your network, Southern California Relocation Council, the Global Business Network, and your colleagues, your peer level at companies that are similar to your company are great networks to look at what type of relocation benefits are offered at those senior levels across the levels of employment. There is a lot of information out there for individuals and not just through, obviously, my GL Mobility Services. I bring a wealth of information. That's real talk, by the way. So many people don't speak in real terms and real talk and layer on benefits to a company that is not in alignment with their culture. So I'm very focused on the brand and the culture and providing services that fit that brand and exactly what companies are trying to achieve with the talent that they're bringing in. Further, Gabby, in a small organization, oftentimes the leader, the CEO, will not understand totally the terminology or the emphasis on the talent cycle, meaning from acquisition through development, onboarding and then development, and then perhaps deployment and retention never mind the monitoring while on assignment, you would have an excellent view and perspective to offer a small business owner about the necessity of having that perspective. And I would think that you perform an excellent managerial consultative function that could be absolutely critical to small business people. And I'd like to have your opinion. Well, most smaller companies have a very personalized service. And to bring it around to what you shared, well, what will it take to get you here? That tends to be the thought process for smaller companies, as in they reach out to either a boutique firm or they do reach out, Ed, within their network to have support for those very intricate work permits that have to occur and in order for individuals to work in the U.S. It can be challenging, especially in the U.S., but absolutely doable. 
on my business card, I'll just be honest, it says global mobility strategist, program manager, and magician. And that (laughs) is very much what we do. What I do is I make the magic happen. And I think it's important, especially for immigration, to have advisement in order to have a successful petition. And either through the partnership of someone like myself or through a firm that can help you through that journey. Relocation is a bit different in that many small companies that I know of, and two in particular that, that I'm partnering with now to provide support services, they've been doing it on their own for years. And basically, the business knows how much they want to pay. They have a budget for this. And they basically help the individual with securing a move vendor, obtaining housing in the local market, and discussions internally about building a community. It's very, very hands-on with new companies. And that can create a stress point when you don't have individuals who are, who are providing those support services don't have the experience. And it can provide a stress point for the individual that you're attempting to move. That's why it's so important to gain knowledge, which I'm going to speak to here in a minute, about having people on your team that are knowledgeable with these type of support services. So tell us about interaction you would have with NextGen. The NextGen is very interested in mobile technology, which is certainly where relocation is moving towards the self-service access to information, resources, and tools. But having said that, NextGen wants their information immediate. They want to be able to have access to it. They're part of social media. They can go on the internet and find information any time of the day. They want their questions answered any time of the day. This is why relocation support has to be available to them. However, in my opinion, I do not believe that individuals can strictly move between countries with access to self-service. There has to be, and some of the best reload companies provide a very self-service model with core companies providing the core flex benefits, partnering with a reload company that can deliver the core flex and very innovative lump sums, which tie into self-service and have counselors available. Because anyone moving between cities, between countries does want that one-on-one support. The next gen is very used to having a support model in their life, generally through their lifetime. And we see that it's still very important to them to have someone that they can speak to, to have someone that they can bounce ideas off of, and then go to the self-service and take their lump sums or their full service, their core flex, and get access to the services and the resources and tools to make this happen. But I'm a very strong believer in a program having a very holistic, humanistic way of looking at the whole model. Human beings require attention. And part of that is not just moving them through a self-service model. It's also providing them with the opportunity to speak to someone so they can feel well cared for. That should be part of any, I believe, company's successful mobility brand. Gabby, tell us about lump sums. It's an old process, isn't it? But now they're back in force and there seems to be a lot of software programs to help the employee manage their lump sum. What do you think about all that? I think it's here to stay, and I think it's here to stay for a very good reason. When you're building a program with lump sums, and be clear, my focus is core flex with lump sum component. However, some companies are building strictly lump sums, hopefully with access to a counselor, a reload counselor. It's easier to budget for. You look at whatever the company's decided, 
whatever your budgets are going to be regarding whether you're allocating for level, job level, country, so forth. And they allocate lump sums. And those lump sums are easier to deliver and that they can deliver to the employee directly or your reload provider can deliver it to the employee and they can have access to a portal upon which they have access to services that they themselves can purchase. Or they can decide to use some services and not all services. You know, some people, the next gen, like to move themselves, many of them. As you go up your career and you acquire, I'll just say, more stuff in your life, it becomes harder to just get two pods and move yourself. I can speak to this from personal experience, moving from San Francisco, a whole household, to Los Angeles. It is a more involved process than what people think. And you'd be surprised how many people are moving just between the two cities that they realize once they start getting pods and so forth, that they're like, oh my goodness, this is much more involved than what I thought it would be. Therefore, the support, the access to speak to someone that can advise and give help. But I think that the focus on the lump sum is to get money and personalized service as in the individual picks the services that they need. The company provides access to the services, but the employee themselves chooses the services specific to their own needs. You mentioned CoreFlex and lump sum component as your primary objectives here. So let's go back to definitions. What is CoreFlex? CoreFlex are reload benefits that the company provides core benefits. And I'll give you an example. Let's say the company would have three benefits. Core would be travel to the new destination, a predetermined lump sum, and a tour, a household settling in service. The support services of a vendor that will provide a tour service to the new employee in the new area. That could be core. Flex would be an individual choosing short-term housing. They could choose a short-term housing provider and pay for that within the portal, within the web support service. They could choose a move service. They could choose either a pod or a mover or various type of moving organizations, relocation providers that offer different types of support services from the full move to a pod to cars and so forth. They can choose their services amongst a menu of services in addition to having the three core services or two or four that are provided by the employer. So a lot has to do with personalities and relationships developed, right? Sure you know that Silicon Beach, Silicon Valley companies are basically non-traditional in that they really don't want a button-down approach to things. They want more flexibility. So it's really a battle between tech, the oncoming of tech, penetrating all operations, well, in all aspects of managing mobility. The onslaught of tech versus the legacy operations. What's your opinion? Tell us about it. Well, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say that Silicon Beach doesn't want that. Silicon Beach, termed because of its location, is very similar to very dynamic new companies. They are similar to style in Silicon Valley in that they are recruiting from and providing support services, regardless of geographic location, to creative technology-forward individuals. So when I listen to the term button-down, companies have to operate within due diligence and compliance. And while that might be termed button-down, it's required upon. 
all of us to be able to provide that support. Where I think we get innovative right, is on how we deliver the services. How we manage internally is seamless. So the button-down approach is behind the scenes, shall we say, behind the set. But on front, in the stage, is delivering the services in a way that's meaningful to the employees that are now having different requirements on how they want to see their service delivery model. They want a strong connection. And it's about an informal and informative communication style. They want to have information. Therefore, information has to be available. Information on immigration, FAQs on sites, companies, both in terms of of having employees have access to vendor sites, but also having companies themselves brand themselves and provide this information. They want to have information on their cases. They want to have information on their relocations. They want to have FAQs to help them understand. They want to have this information in real time, sometimes even through texting and blogging. These are all very new, innovative, which is what I'm working on in this space for this new environment of social multitasking across social media. So I think the button-down approach is making sure that we have policies and process that are in alignment with the company's business goals, their culture, and where they're moving talent and how they move talent. Let's talk about uh, performance. What's this obsession with performance data? I'm really glad that you bring this up because I've been asked, what do I see as important drivers to leading a successful program and which, if any, would I change? And I absolutely would change. Don't reduce your mobility function to numbers. I get the focus. There's a recent article in Fast Company. Its title was, Our Obsession with Performance Data is Killing Performance. The author of the article termed this metric fixation, the belief that it's possible and desirable to replace professional judgment acquired through experience and talent with numerical indicators of comparative performance. I'm finding that it's very difficult when companies are really focusing strictly on the data and measuring performance and resources accordingly, because determining budgets and internal resources and policies strictly on metrics can be absolutely counterproductive in providing global client support, given the subjective nature of these functions. And I'm going to say that again. We have to operate within an objective environment, but there is a huge subjective component in immigration and in relocation, particularly in that individuals who we are providing the support services to are looking at it through their subjective lens, their perceptions, their prism. And it can be a very myopic view for companies to be focused on the management by performance indicators when rather than focusing on satisfying the individuals on who you're providing the services to. Attempts to measure productivity through performance metrics can discourage initiative, innovation, and risk-taking. And that's absolutely true. So many of my colleagues are so focused on the data And having to literally, I'll just say it, justify their existence with the data, that it's discouraging innovation, their personal initiative, their risk-taking, and the very challenges they incur every day on employees that we want to provide services to, but don't fit in neat little five-minute time slots of information. So how would performance be measured? I think performance is measured on your employee satisfaction with their experience. 
relocation vendors and immigration and mobility tax all have customer client surveys and they provide it to every employee and most of them do to whom they're providing services and support service to. I think also if you create an open environment and transparency within your mobility function and give it a seat at the table, and I'm going to speak to that in a second, you provide an open dialogue between your employees speaking with the people in HR, whether it be a mobility manager or an immigration manager, they themselves are going to be your key performance indicators on how they feel they're being taken care of, on how they feel the benefits worked for them. On how they feel, I'm not saying replace data. We have to have data to see where money is spent, which services were used the most by employees so we can focus on moving services in that direction. All that's important. But to completely resource your functions and have your mobility managers be data, data, data driven is challenging sometimes in providing the service, the very high level employee handhelding service that you want to give. And you can still have a self-service model. Employees give employees access to information, but still have a supportive environment and dynamic between the employee and the mobility function at the company. I think what it takes is focus. And I think this is where the fear factor is. Companies think, oh my goodness, I can't have my I don't have the financial assets to have four people in mobility, completely understand. However, again, and it's bringing this back to having a new um, dynamic between your external and internal stakeholders because mobility tends to be siloed. When you create a new dynamic of service between your external service providers, your internal stakeholders, you can provide excellent customer service without having teams that are focused on speaking to to your employee population all day long. But having said that, there has to be a human touch. They have to know that they're individuals, they care for them, they have access to in case something happens, if they just have a question. It is a balance that mobility finds challenging because our colleagues, our clients would love for us to be with them 24 hours a day. And personally, as a human being, I would love that too. So it's really a balance of having information available online, having informational resources and tools they can use, but also having access to their HR team whether it be a mobility manager or however companies wish to term it, to be able to have that understanding that someone is there for them. And sometimes I see just relying and giving services on data discourages, again, the initiative, the innovation and risk-taking, because you're not very likely to incur risks and innovation that can move you into a different new dynamic if you are focused on meeting data metrics and you're focused on this is what the company's decided is the best data metrics and therefore we have to follow them to the letter of the law, so to speak. The issue of succession planning, the role of mobility and ROI, aren't companies utilizing the new skill sets that are developed as a result of the assignment? What's your take on that? Well, it's interesting. A lot of companies still have challenges with that, especially companies that are starting out. The larger companies have very robust systems and they reach out and have a connection to individuals while they're on, presumably you're speaking of assignments, and you have an understanding and keep a relationship with that individual to ensure that not only their performance is what is anticipated or expected in the new location, but that they have a link to home. 
Airbnb with whom I partnered and spent the last three plus years of my career were interesting in this regard in that the individual that went on assignment really never lost connection with their home base. The individual still had that connection with their home manager and their new manager, and they were brought back to their home team during their assignment to make sure that they were connected in. They were still doing some work with their home team. And I think this is very important so people don't feel alienated. Both managers at the new location and the the destination location and and the home location both very much have visibility into the employee's performance and challenges because they have the opportunity to continue to communicate and they have someone that cares about them at home and in the new location. And bringing them back I think cannot be the value of that cannot be underestimated because they never lose sight of coming back home to the home location. Gabby, doesn't it make sense to use the assignee as a mentor for the next person following along? I think that that's something that companies are really moving forward in. I'm very happy to see it's encouraging the expanding mentor network. I think it has a long way to go. But I think when you have individuals that are working around the globe on assignments and they come back, they are some of your best talent that can create and bring and mentor people into the global view of the company. Individuals that are working within a group at one location, generally headquarters, right, can feel very isolated from the global view unless they're working on global projects. And as the company continues to grow in globalization, it's important that the employees that you have that have been situated globally come back, share information, share their perspectives. Some of that is occurring through communities. Some companies are building online presence for communities of individuals, assignees that speak to each other and individuals that are not yet in assignee that really are focusing on moving their career in that way, get a clearer view of the global vision both of their company and in terms of their company's placement within the world. As you know, many, many articles are now being written about next-gen employees and colleagues, my peers, that really anticipate and are building their careers very early in their careers to have an assignment experience. And part of that is also the challenge of mobility. How do we provide benefits from individuals who are in somewhat hybrid Roles, assignment roles, not your typical standard short-term for a year, long-term for three years. There's a whole new way of working, a whole new way of looking at talent and moving people rather quickly in and out and having people be in location for three months and six months. And how do you make that time valuable for them and valuable for the company? And what benefits do you give to them for those shorter period of times, especially if it's employee-driven? And I can share this in my experience in the last two companies I've worked with. I'm clearly seeing more employee-driven requests to go on assignment. The assignment experience, talent cycle, the question, what are the benefits if the assignment is employee-driven? This is a whole new world. Tell us more about trends. The trends I see in 2018... I'm kind of driving some of this trend for the first one, and I'll I'll get quickly to the others, Ed, is mobility managers and team support should be knowledgeable in their practice areas. What tends to happen all too typically is companies are growing through such a, a fast, quick to market and so forth that not always 
Do they have individuals that are able to fully engage and provide advisement? They don't have the level of experience within the mobility, internal and immigration and tax functions. And so I think it's very, very important for mobility managers and their team support to be knowledgeable in their practice areas. And it's very important to get a new commitment from company corporate leaders to support mobility managers in spending time in order to educate themselves, working within mentor networks within the mobility community and the mobility vendor community so that they can become knowledgeable and create more valuable focus for the mobility team and bring business value to the mobility function. And I see this moving slowly in this new global mobility ecosystem, which is happening now. I see a trend in creating, getting out of silos, creating a strong synergy connections, moving towards a delivery model that encircles the employee with a suite of diverse mobility specialists who are actually collaborating with one another internally and externally and empowering each other to share information and problem solve. And this is extremely important. I'm seeing the mobility function moving out of silo to creating stronger synergistic connections with both internally and externally. And again, a new trend, it's about informal and informative communication style. All this multitasking across social media and the internet has made the next gen scanners of information, right? So therefore, companies have to master a variety of communication vehicles in order to impart knowledge. Communication should be targeted to the level of recipient in a simplified format, visually easy to read and understand. They want this information, they want it fast, and they don't want to have to read through three paragraphs to get it. Another trend is authoritative doesn't work in this new ecosystem. To have immigration providers and relocation providers, I'm probably moving stronger into the immigration providers to have a very authoritative stance in how they're dictating information. That's not moving well with our next-gen colleagues. They want to partner with and engage clients in interactive and educational conversations rather than authoritative and dictatorial style. And I think that another, if I can... I think employees, again, as I've shared, have to be prepared for employee-driven requirements. We have contractors, we have crowdsourcing, we have many, many different types of employees and colleagues around the globe. We have to be prepared to have varied policy and reward approaches. And I think a partnership and alignment with talent management is absolutely critical to achieving success and mobility. And it's one of the first things that I focused on at Airbnb. They are your first line partners so that you know who you're going to have to move, where the business is going, and the type of employee that you're going to be moving, both in terms of their role, how many years of experience they have, and how best to offer the support services for that individual in a nimble program. Taking it back to what you said, some programs can be very heavy. In this new world, we have to create nimble programs while at the same time handle the ever-increasing compliance complexities. And that's ours for behind the scenes, behind the set. You can do it. You can move forward and do it. I have clear ideas on how to do it. But at the same time, in front of the house, on the stage, it has to be nimble. It has to be focused. It has to be delivered with seamless, and it has to be delivered with transparency and real talk and honesty. Okay, I got a couple of questions as we come to a close here. Who owns mobility? 
Is it division, the line, or is it corporate? Who pays the bills? Well, the bills are paid by the company. And I can speak to that because different companies have different models. Individuals, in my experience, companies have really worked towards moving the cost of mobility to a charge per fee service to the business line upon which the service is going to. So realistically, if you have a $10,000 cost to relocate someone and a $5,000 cost for immigration services, that's $15,000, that would be charged to the business unit that is receiving the employee. Other companies have a mix of that. They incur certain reload charges onto the corporate entity, and they charge a percentage to the business unit. A lot of it has to do with how the company charges off those charges and that the stage of development that the company is in. Thank you, Gabby Laheron, owner and managing director of GL Global Mobility based in the L.A. area. You're a wonderful resource for me and for our listening audience. and I wish you all the best in dealing with Silicon Beach. Questions that you raise and the answers you have been providing today will be extremely helpful to the younger people stepping into management roles within the talent mobility business. Talent management and mobility must partner, no question. Another question, who owns mobility? Excellent answer you gave. This is Ed Cohen signing off from San Diego. Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, Ed. And goodbye. Yes, I think to myself What a wonderful